Thanks, Trevor. Would you please all sit down? It is time now for our, our question time. And uh, I love question time. You get a chance to ask questions about all sorts of things. Some of them might be related to what we looked at together in church last week, in one of the Bible readings, or the questions, or the sermon, or uh, or it might be just reading things in your growth group, or maybe on your own. And uh, here's the first one. Why is it why is it a dreadful day when the day of the Lord comes? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Well, here's the context from Malachi 4.5. It says in the Old Testament, Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. And this person says, Why is the coming of the Lord a dreadful day? Well, I think it's partly because of the way we understand the word dreadful today. Like we um, think of dreadful as being horrible, uh, but the word is sort of means more than just that. It sort of is. It's a day that brings dread, that brings fear. That is another translation uses the word awesome, an awesome day. Now, why is it that it will be an awesome or dreadful day when the day of the Lord comes? Well, this was a promise that was made 500 years before Jesus came. Jesus came along. And indeed, it was a day of awe. It was a day of dread because as he came, he came to bring judgment. But what we saw was the judgment actually was from God the Father upon Jesus the Son. That was the pinnacle of the day of the Lord coming when Jesus came. And so at that point, we see that the judgment of God came upon Jesus so that anyone who trusts in Jesus no longer would experience the judgment of God. So in that way, it's an awesome day. It's, a, it's also a day that is a reminder to those who don't have that certainty for eternity that the day is coming of judgment when Jesus returns again, when, of course, it will be a day that is dreadful in the sense of horrible. Question two. Why does Jesus quote Genesis in John 1.51, and what does it mean? It's, it, sometimes we'll get to the New Testament and it'll quote bits of the Old Testament. And in this case, some people in the New Testament will quote something from the Old Testament. That's what Jesus has done. What's the story there? Well, let's have a little look at that verse and actually a few more before that. We read in John chapter 1, 49 to 51, Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. And Jesus asked him, Do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You'll see greater things than this. And then he said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. So do you get the question? Why did Jesus quote from that bit in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis? Well, what's Jesus doing? He walks up to this guy, Nathaniel. This guy, Nathaniel, says, wow, you are really the Son of God, to which is a pretty amazing thing that he would act, he would understand at that point that he was in the presence of God and Jesus says did you get that just because I was able to, to, to tell you something that was a bit unexpected a bit of a miracle because I'll tell you what I've got something better than that he then quotes the time when Jacob had that dream in Genesis chapter 28 of the stairway to heaven and being in the presence of God I think Jesus is saying here well you think it's pretty good to be here in the presence of God now with me the son of God but in fact there will be a time when you will have the full experience of what it means to be in the new creation, to be with Jesus in heaven. Question three. 
What did it look like when Satan entered Judas? It's a good question, isn't it? We're not actually told. Uh, we know when it happened because John told us when it happened. You know, and this is all from, Gen from, from uh, John chapter 13, where we see the time when, when, when Satan came into Judas and then Judas got up and left, ready to go off and betray Jesus. And the person asked, what did it look like? We don't know. But we, we, um, we expect that probably, well, of course, Jesus knew, but he may well have told John, who was writing down the gospel in, you know, in the time after when Jesus came back to life and was able to explain that it in fact had happened, that Satan had entered Judas. Question four, was Judas guilty because of his actions or because he didn't have the spirit? Well, he was certainly guilty because of his actions. Uh, what did he choose to do? He said, I'm going to accept money as a bribe so that I will then dob in Jesus' place. And so people who hate Jesus will then be able to have him arrested. So Judas certainly did something that caused him personally to be guilty. But what's the connection here with the spirit? Well, we're going to understand this more in the next few weeks. But the spirit came in a specific way at the time of Pentecost, which was quite some time after Jesus had died and risen and had ascended into heaven. And so at that point, it had nothing to do whether or not Judas had received the Spirit because in that sense, no one had. Not in that same way that we have today when that special event happens, which we're going to talk about in a little while. Question five. Were any of the disciples convicted of their sins before they received the Spirit? Well, again, uh, what, what, what is it that happens when the Spirit comes? Well, the Spirit brings us Christ. And they actually had the very presence of Christ. They were there with Jesus. And so it's only when Jesus went that he then said, I'm coming back. And by sending his spirit, that was the presence of Jesus amongst them and continues to be the presence of Jesus today with us. So the question is that were those disciples convicted of their sins before they received this? Well, they were convicted of their sins because they were in the presence of Jesus already, physically. And as he was there with them, they would have known how much they had short, fallen short of the perfection that is required if we're going to try and go on our own track record, which nobody can keep. And they would have then said to Jesus, I trust in you. And we're going to hear a bit more about that tonight in, uh, in John 14, 1 to 14. Finally, a bit of a theological question, this one. How much can a person know God from general revelation? That's an interesting kind of expression, general revelation. Well, it's a nerdy kind of way of talking about how Everybody who walks on the earth is able to get information about God. And it's general information. It's information that God has revealed. So, for example, you see a beautiful sunset and you say, wow, this couldn't have just happened by chance. Or maybe you see a, a, a newborn baby or, or many of these things in life where you go, wow. Well, the Bible reveals to us that everybody knows enough about God from the creation that he's made. Everybody knows that this world is created and everybody knows that it's created by God and everybody knows that they need to become friends with God. They need to be reconciled with God. That's the general revelation. That's what God's revealed through his creation. And if you want to find out more about that, you read the first chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans. But the question is, 
How much can a person know God from general revelation? Enough to know that they need to know God. Enough to know that they're guilty, which is why they need the other kind of revelation, which is called special revelation. And special revelation is where God speaks and we listen. And the way that happens today is by the Bible. And so there are, there are billions of people who know in their hearts that God is real and that they need to be reconciled to him. But they don't know how. And that's why we need to be people who go out and bring this good news to our village, valley, region and world. Great questions. Why don't you ask me some more by the Connect card or by scanning in the QR code or just sending me a text message or an email. That works pretty well as well. It's time now for us to have our prayer time.